When I was on Tough five years ago, they took away all our social media. We had no connection to the outside world. I found out I was the first African-American woman to be signed. It's also been like a really hard journey. I feel like I've faced a lot of scrutiny. Just coming in with such little experience, a lot of people like to say that I was there because I was black. I was there because um, I was filling a quota. Uh, when in reality, when I went to the tryouts and Dana White saw me striking, he said, this is the best uh, display of striking I've ever seen in all my years of doing tough. So I, it was a merit-based decision, and it really hurt me when people just assumed that I was there to fill a quota. But uh, but it's, it's definitely been a struggle. It's definitely been uh, tough being the first black woman um, when you have uh, fans looking at you as this other. Um, I, I always had a lot of, I was always self-conscious like about my looks like any other girl, but I never thought that my blackness was a reason to be self-conscious. guys, welcome to episode 8 of I Know Nothing About MMA. I'm your host DC, not that DC though. Not the great one, obviously. But I'm so sorry this episode's so late, isn't it? It's a really late episode. Usually we've got the news done, usually we're on 8.5, this is episode 8. So sorry for the, uh, the lateness. It's just horrible, so wrong, so wrong to my... My listeners, so wrong to me. I feel personally slighted by myself. But today we're going to be talking about the Angela Hill versus Michelle Waterson card. We're going to be, um, it, it's not going to be like usual. We're not going to go through every single fight, but we're going to talk about the interesting things, what happened. Um, yeah, it was, it was a fun card, I'll admit. It was a fun card. And we're also going to be talking about a little bit of Bellator. And I'll just say off the bat about Bellator, it's very hard in Australia to watch Bellator. To watch Bellator, you really have to watch it live. And unfortunately for Bellator, don't arrest me, but you kind of have to watch it illegally. You have to. You have to jump through some hoops to watch Bellator. It shouldn't be like that, but obviously it is is like that. So, yes. We can talk about that. I did watch Bellator 245. I watched the, um, I watched that card. It was, um, yeah, it was a Bellator card, wasn't it? But yes, we're going to be talking about UFC uh, Fight Night, Michelle Waterson versus Angela Hill, and also a little bit of Bellator. You know, I wish I could talk about Bellator 246, but, um, I missed it. I, I can't do anything more. It's hard. But, you know, and 
Bellator don't have like a, a fight pass uh, situation is where I can go back and watch it and it is on pay-per-view and we'll talk about why that's an issue why it's on pay-per-view because yeah but anyway let's just get into the show enough of me waffling on it's quite a long intro but yeah we need the decision for that one final time here's Bruce Buffer ladies and gentlemen after five rounds we go to the judges scorecards for decision Chris Lee scores at 48 47 Hill Sal Yamato scores it 49-46, Watterson. And Derek clearly scores the contest. 48-47 for the winner by split decision, the Karate Hate, Michelle Watterson. All emotion on both sides. Tears of joy on one. Disbelief on the other. The thrill and the agony on display. All right, and let's just talk about the Angela Hill versus Michelle Waterson fight. Or, you know, the other way around. Michelle Waterson did have the red gloves on, so maybe we should be calling it the Michelle Waterson versus Angela Hill. Or whatever, that's just semantics, right? But this fight was a very fun fight, and I feel like a lot of people who watched this fight were thinking, this isn't going to be a good fight. This is going to be... Um, a, well... The thing about this fight is it was meant to be the um, the co-main event and Glover Teixeira versus Tiago Santos was originally meant to be the main event and people were very excited for that fight. That fight has um, since been cancelled because both fighters have tested positive to COVID-19. Both fighters. So it was originally rescheduled, now it's cancelled. And this fight, the Michelle Waterson versus Angela Hill fight, was pushed as the main event instead was in that place instead so yes a lot of people were quite disappointed about that i was only because we missed out on that tiago santos versus glover Teixeira fight but i wasn't really uh, upset for this fight because this fight uh, i knew would be pretty good and i know i sound like a steve bunce aftertimer here but no angela hill always brings it and what did she do again guys she brought it. And yes, she was the loser in this fight. Sorry I didn't mention that. She lost a split decision. Michelle Waterson won. Um, very contentious decision. A lot of people thought Angela Hill won. I'll be honest with you. When I watched it, I actually thought Michelle Waterson won. I gave it to Michelle Waterson. But that's not to discredit Angela Hill. I thought Angela Hill fought beautifully. And I thought it showed her that showed me rather that she's been uh, improving 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 and that's all she's been doing is just improving so yeah big ups to Angela Hill and this fight was a very close fight as well and what I want to discuss mostly yes if you want a fight breakdown please go to my man Luke Thomas he is the guy he is the guy at this, and it's it's probably been out for like five days, so you can definitely listen to that right now. So, um, yeah, what I want to talk about in this fight was the controversy about the scoring. The controversy about the scoring and whether Angela Hill won, does it really matter? And a lot of people were saying, well, UFC judging needs to be fixed again. And a lot of people always say this, always always that it needs to be fixed after like after a contentious decision people always say that 
oh, we need to fix up um, judging. After every, it's it just always happens. It's so crazy. People, you know, I don't know what um, scoring system people want. I think the 10-point must systems are pretty fantastic. It's not really the problem. And this fight, again, is not indicative of a fight that shows that there's a problem uh, with scoring because in my opinion this was a very hard fight to score and I sympathize with judges in this circumstance because I'm not in the hot seat I'm not one of the three judges that has to um, have the pressure on me that has to think about this and they get one minute to think about this and this might not be true or not but I'm pretty sure they don't have the use of monitors like we do. That might not be true. It is true in boxing that judges do not have monitors. So this could be a case of judges, they have one view. You know you know when you watch a fight on TV, it's the best way to watch a fight because you've got all the, um, all the angles, everything's in front of you. You can see things much clearer, uh, clearly rather, sorry then if you were watching it even at ringside even at ringside because you only have one view to look at and look discredit this if judges have monitors i'm not sure they do they could they might and look discredit it if it's the case and really it's not even the big uh problem about this the big problem about this is judging is a very ambiguous very complex uh scenario yes we do have the abc judging criteria that is meant to give judges um, more objectivity when they do these things. But judging is inherently subjective because we have our biases. We, we like things about fighters that other people don't. You know, for example, I always bring up this example. It happened quite recently. Well, not too recently, but quite recently. It was the uh, Sean Porter versus Errol Spence fight. And this was a boxing fight. And um, I watched this fight with my friends. We weren't, uh, we didn't have our scorecards or anything like that. We weren't giving, but me and him both thought that Sean Porter won that fight. And it was because we thought his aggression was effective. We thought uh, he was almost bullying Errol Spence. And yes, Errol Spence did have that knockdown, but the knockdown in my opinion and in my friend's opinion was not enough to salvage the victory for him. But the judges gave it to Errol Spence. Did I cry about it? Not really. And did other people in uh, the boxing media also agree that Sean Porter won that fight? Yes. Yes, they did. Because it's subjective, guys. I don't know what to tell you. Yes, there is a criteria that guides you in making as objective um, a decision as you can. But there are still fundamental flaws when it's such a close fight. And especially when you only have one minute to really comprehend what you've seen. And, you know, you're doing it in real time. You're doing it over the course of five minutes and then you have one minute to really think about it and really let it um, settle in. It's just not enough time. It's just, um, it's really not. It's, it's, it's a flawed system, but there's, there's no system that you can put in place that's better. You know, people want uh, like 10 judges and it's like, dude, what are you nuts? What are you nuts, dude? Like, what? But yeah, that was really the big part of the fight for me. But 
Another thing I want to mention about this fight, not again, not about the fight, just surrounding the fight, was Angela Hill being the first African-American female to headline a UFC event. That is just incredibly historical. And that's why I'm doing this podcast, because I need to mention it. It needs to be on record that this is an incredible thing. I was seriously not going to do this episode, but then I thought... I kind of have to, because if I don't, I'm really missing out on a historical moment. Um, yeah, for Angela Hill, for the sport, for a lot of people. Angela Hill is a total trailblazer. And yes, we're talking about Angela Hill. Like, she won this fight. She lost a close split decision. I scored it for Michelle Waterson. A lot of people, and I mean a lot of people, scored it for Angela Hill. So Angela Hill holds her head up high, and as Dana White said in the uh, post-fight press conference, there are no losers in this fight. There are no losers, because a fight like that, your stock only rises, even in defeat. And yes, that will happen to Angela Hill. Her stock will only rise. So, yeah, and another thing about her being the first uh, African-American female, she did an interview with... ESPN, and she spoke about police brutality. She spoke about being the first African-American female and the negativity from people that she's uh, seen. And what I couldn't believe about this video, it's on YouTube, by the way, it was uploaded by ESPN. What I couldn't believe about this video was how many dislikes there were. People were like, fuck this shit. What she taught, you know, like, fuck this shit. One guy wrote in the comments, Dana White wouldn't stand for this. Yeah, Dana White wouldn't stand for this, but Dana White's like a fucking cunt. So it doesn't matter if Dana White wouldn't stand for this. Who cares what Dana White stands for? Dana White obviously doesn't stand for very good morals in the first place. So why are we holding him like a moral compass? I know he's just one YouTube commenter, so it's not like the end of the world. But I just saw that comment. I was like, really, dude? Like, really? But yeah, a lot of people were like, uh, I hope she gets smashed. Hope she gets beat badly. And it's like, for what? Because she's, uh, she's experienced racism in her life? Because she's in a position where um, she is the first African-American female to uh, headline an event? It, it's just quite surreal to me. But anyway... Michelle Waterson fought a great fight. She fought a great fight. Uh, she fights out of Jackson Winkle, Jackson Winkle John, um, that famous gym from Albuquerque that John Jones fights out of. Donald Cerrone once fought, fought out of there. A lot of great fighters um, fight out of uh, that camp, Jackson Wink. Yeah, she fought a great fight, and that's what um, Jackson Wink are really great at, is game planning. And, and she had a wonderful game plan. And... Michelle Waterson is the karate hottie. That's her name, and that's her, that is her base. That's what she's really great at. Uh, but what won her the fight, and Angela Hill expressed this in the post-fight press conference as well, what won her the fight was the takedowns, was mixing in uh, her attacks. And yes, that's how I saw it too. And yes, that's my bias because I enjoy wrestlers. I like uh, to see takedowns. You know, it's my. I'm not going to apologize for that. I'm sure some judges shouldn't apologize for that. And Angela Hill expressed that too. And that's the one thing I like about Angela Hill after this fight is that Angela Hill 
Um, yes, she was obviously upset because this is the second time in a row that she's been on the wrong end, she feels, of a split decision. But she didn't cry about it and she said, well, I need to work on my game and I need to add takedowns to my game. I need to do things that will get the judges uh, to notice her. And listen, what I would say to that is, yes, please do that, but make sure you uh, take your opponent down because one thing a judge doesn't like to see, and this was expressed in Paul Giff's uh, peer-reviewed article uh, about the biases in uh, MMA judging and all that kind of thing. It's If you Google it, Paul Gift, MMA judging, you, you I'll, I'll leave it in the description below just so you can read it if you want to read it, if it's your type of thing. Um, but yeah, in that article, he says that one thing that judges don't like to see is you failing a takedown. It makes you look weak. It, so... You, you know, if you're going to go down that route, you better uh, drill takedowns for a long time. And, but listen, Angela Hill, yes, she did lose this weekend. However, she is my star of the week. It's a first. Yes, we're only early in this podcast, but it's a first, a loser, a perceived loser. Yeah, again, there's no losers in this fight. That's why she's my star of the week. But a loser in the record books is my star of the week. So, yes, bravo to Angela Hill. She is a, yeah, she's a trailblazer. We're going to be um, thinking about her in many years to come. I, I really believe that. And I think she will um, be in the Hall of Fame on the merits of, yes, her being a wonderful fighter, but also um, the contributions she's made to the sport uh, specifically for African-American females. So, yeah. Again, this is why I needed to do this podcast today to talk about Angela Hill and not gloss over the fact that this is a huge moment in sport. So yes, enough about me rambling on. This was a great fight, guys. Women's strawweight. Yes, I'm going to ramble on a bit more, actually. Women's strawweight is the division to watch for women. It is a killer division, and they prove it again. They've already had their moment. They've had their Weili Zhang versus Joanna Champion. I'm not even going to say her name. I, I, I can't even do it. Shout out to Mike Goldberg. I'm not even going to say her name like that. It's Joanna Champion, you know. And yeah, Joanna fought like a champion in that fight. And that was the greatest women's uh, fight in MMA history. And yeah, this was an incredible fight too. So women's strawweight, you know, that's also my star of the, the week. But, um, but yes. Excellent work. Let's get on to the next fight. And not really the next fight, but the next uh, controversy. The next big story. Okay, the next controversy on this card. This was controversial, actually. It's, it's, it really was. This was the Mike Rodriguez versus Ed Herman fight. A lot of people were talking about this fight afterwards. And a lot of people were talking about it because Ed Herman did a bad thing. Not the referee. The referee made an honest mistake, guys. An honest mistake. Let me just recap uh, for you guys, if you guys didn't see this. Ed Herman is up against the fence. Mike, Mike Rodriguez, rather, is landing some brilliant knees. And he's landing a knee to the body. Bam! And it folds Ed Herman and he goes down like a sack of potatoes. However... The referee calls this a groin strike. He thinks the knee landed on the groin instead of the stomach. And on replay shown, you will see it very clearly hit Ed Herman in the stomach. 
very clearly. So action is halted. Ed Herman is given five minutes. <laughs> like, like this is the thing, man. Like, yes, uh, Chris Tongyoni, the referee, it's uh, his fault in a way because he called it a groin strike when it was actually a uh, strike to the stomach. And look, we can all say stuff like, "Oh, we should have been watching more." Oh, he should have been, blah, 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 blah. you know, yeah, he, he could have done all these things. And I'm sure next time around, after he's made a mistake like this, an honest mistake, by the way, guys, and, you know, you're going to hear this word, honest mistake, a lot. And after he's made this mistake, he is going to be a lot more careful and a lot more um, decisive and all these things. Yeah, he's, he's going to be watching a lot more carefully next time. A, a mistake like this will make him a better referee, trust me. But where I have the problem with this, and where I'm so confused as to why Dana White doesn't have a problem with this, is Ed Herman in this situation. When he was folded and he went down after getting that strike, uh, the knee strike to the stomach, he went down as if he'd been hit in the groin. This is why referee Chris Tognoni made this mistake. And then after, and then after that, after he's called the timeout, after he's called the time out for Ed Herman because he thinks this is a groin strike, Ed Herman is still playing it off like he's been hit in the groin. He's doing the whole adjusting the cup. Oh, that really hurt. Oh, and he's, he's, he's watched, you know, you can tell this guy's watched a lot of guys who have uh, been hit in the groin in this sport. Obviously, you know, it happens like every single card, you know, and he's taken some acting lessons and he really understands how this works. So he was milking it for everything he could. He looked like a Paris Saint-Germain player out there. He looked like Neymar Jr. out there. Shout out to Neymar. Great footballer. But where we can fix this issue, let's talk about how we can make Chris Tognoni's life a little bit easier. And we can make his life a little bit easier. We can make his life a little bit easier by having a better relationship between the Athletic Commission, in this case it was the Nevada State Athletic Commission, and referees on the night. Why, why, why don't we have that already? Why don't we have that a referee, uh, already, sorry, where a state commissioner comes into the ring uh, between rounds, or he even does it from his uh, position at ringside and lets them know that, hey, that was a illegal strike why aren't we doing that why, why isn't that already in place and it's just very strange to me because the a referee's job is the most thankless job in this industry yes we, i was talking about how um judging is also a terribly thankless job these are jobs that are so thankless that we only really talk about them when something bad happens and yes i understand on this podcast i've um talked smack about referees in the past but that is in a different situation. When I talk smack about referees, it's for them not stopping a fight uh, too soon. Well, sorry, when they stop a fight too late. When they f keep a fight going where the fighter cannot fight anymore. And it's clear to me watching it. That's when I get really fucking angry about referees. Because as a referee, your first job in there is... Yeah, you're officiating a fight. But your first job in there, your first line of duty is to protect the fighters. Was Chris Tognoni doing that? Yes, he was. 
He was protecting the fighter. The fighter deceived him. Why don't we get that? That the fighter deceived him. It makes me so mad that we're piling on on this referee. And by the way, Chris Yoni a few weeks ago, I think it was on the Frankie Edgar versus Pedro Munoz card. On that card, he officiated a fight between Daniel Rodriguez, another Rodriguez, by the way. So many Rodriguez's in this sport. But he officiated a fight between Daniel Rodriguez and Dwight Grant. And in this fight, Dwight Grant nearly stopped Daniel Rodriguez in the first round. Chris Tognoni, people will say to his credit, kept the fight going. And in the second, no, not even in the second round, sorry. In that same round, Daniel Rodriguez came back to knock Dwight Grant out. And people were saying, wow, that was an amazing, amazing uh, refereeing performance. Wow. Wow, how fickle are you guys, man? A guy makes one honest mistake. And yes, and I almost feel Dana White hates that referees are not in-house. And I know I'm putting on my tinfoil hat here. I know this is the tinfoil hat time. But he hates that he can't have control over referees. That they are elected by the commission, not the UFC. And that's what a lot of people don't understand as well. A lot of smart people do in this sport, but a lot of the, um, I, don't, I won't say smart people, but a lot of um, in-the-know people, I guess, know that it's the State uh, Athletic Commission's responsibility to hire referees, not um, the UFC's responsibility. And Dana White hates that. I can tell you right now with a tinfoil hat on that he fucking despises that. And he despises referees. Why? It's just ridiculous. This guy makes an honest mistake, guys. An honest mistake. I feel like this guy's going to be in the fucking minor leagues now. He has to go to, like, the purgatory. You know, like, I uh, don't know if you guys watch football, but in football, if a referee has a bad uh, uh, game in the EPL, he has to go down to the uh, lower division, the championship, and referee a few games there. Like, the similar thing's probably going to happen to Chris Tongioni, and it really shouldn't. It's very, very, very sad, as Mr. Donald Trump would say. Very sad, very sad. Very sad. I mean, yeah, that really annoyed me. And if I was Dana White, I would be telling Ed Herman, pack your fucking bags, mate, because you are the problem. And if you watch his post-fight interview as well, he has such a guilty conscience. He's like, well, I don't know where it hit me. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll splice it in at the back end of this his post-fight interview. But you'll see what I mean. You'll see what I mean where you're like, um, wow. And well, you might not even understand what I mean because you really have to look at the guy's eyes. You really have to look into the soul of the man to think you are fucking playing me, man. And I get really mad over this shit, man, where people deceive honest people and the honest person is the one who takes the brunt. Foolish. I hate it. I hate it. That wasn't even the worst nut shot. Uh, well, it wasn't a nut shot. But um, that wasn't even the worst thing this week. We're going to talk about Bellator. Um, we'll talk about Bellator now, actually. It wasn't... Uh, no, 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 no. I, I, I refrain. We'll talk about Bellator a little later. We've got more things to talk about Bellator. But I'll just leave this for now about Bellator. There was this fight. It was Raymond Daniels versus... Mm, I forget the guy's name. I already forgot the guy's name. It's Bellator, guys. And um, Raymond Daniels hit this guy, not once, but twice with the same spinning technique, like a spinning body kick, to the fucking balls, man. Twice! 
Like, in, in quick succession. Like, the guy got back up after the first one. And he was so hurt. He was so hurt after the first one. And Raymond Daniels kicked him in the balls again. And I've never seen a person. I've never once seen a person in the UFC, uh, in MMA rather, wail out crying about a groin shot. But it really, if you watch it, it was uh, disgusting. It was a horrible groin shot. And yeah, I just want to tell you about that groin shot. Worst groin shot I've ever seen in my life. Yes, talking about groin shots. Um, yeah, this Ed Herman, Mike Rodriguez fight. And after this, this was in the second round, by the way, when this groin shot occurred. And in the third round, Ed Herman came back and applied a beautiful uh, Kimura on Mike Rodriguez to win the fight. And it was a beautiful Kimura. He locked it in perfectly. The execution was very lovely. And yeah, I mean, that's why I didn't really care about the result of this fight because the result of this fight is meaningless. And Ed Herman, he thought he was doing the smart thing here, but really, really, he could have cost himself his career. But obviously, maybe not because Dana White seems to think it was all the referee's fault. Not the guy that deceived the referee. But anyway, let's talk about some other news now win and he joins us now ed herman my friend how you doing first of all congratulations on a very tough hard fought victory but we have to address the elephant in the room in round two you went down looks like the referee made a mistake can you talk us through it please um i, I don't know where i got hit but i know i was hurt and i went down i don't know if it was a groin or the body but all i know is i went down and uh you know um i'm not really sure i have to watch the tape and see how bad it was I was freaking tired, man. There's no energy in here. It's really weird uh, being fighting like this. So, man, uh, Mike's a hell of a tough guy, man. He was putting it on me, and, uh, you know, my experience pulled through. And, shit, I probably should have pulled guards sooner. Maybe I could have locked something up. But All right, let's talk about Bellator now. Let's talk about Bellator 245 and 246. Now, I did mention earlier that watching Bellator here is Quite fucking hard. Quite hard to say the least. Ridiculously hard. They don't have it really on any legal platforms that I know. Not even on Fight TV. I, listen, I, I could be wrong, but I don't think I am. I'm 99% sure I'm not wrong. These have a deal with Optus, uh, one of our mobile phone carriers, uh, one of our telecommunication providers, that they would... Um, show Bellator on Spike like they had in the United States. And what's funny about that is, because, you know, Optus had Spike as a channel on their uh, TV subscription thing. But what's funny about that is, is that they moved Bellator from Spike when that deal lapsed in the United States, and they moved Bellator, guess where they moved it to? To the fucking comedy channel! The comedy channel, guys. Because Bellator's a fucking joke. It's a fucking joke, guys. <laughs> it's a fucking joke. Shout out to Scott Coker. No, really. It's, it's not really a joke. Really, it's not. But um, the decision to hold two pay-per-views in two days is a fucking joke. It is a joke. And the fact that they are nearly tied with UFC in the amount of pay-per-views they've had. And they've been in the business for, yeah, yeah, like, only uh, 11 years, which is, 
really weird. It's really weird and really, really stupid. And I don't know what their uh, strategy is there, why they think that having so many pay-per-views will... um, I don't know if they'll think, oh, well, they're just like the uh, UFC. I don't know if that's what people think. Sorry, someone's riding a motorbike up there. Gone crazy. But I don't know if that's what they think. I don't know if that's what they think, um, that having so many pay-per-views will put them in the same stratosphere as UFC in the consumer's mind. It absolutely doesn't. It doesn't at all. And I think having so many pay-per-views actually hurts them. And yes, I understand they're going with CBS now and their deals might be a little different now. There might not be as many pay-per-views. And that would be awesome. That would probably be one of the first steps in them becoming, uh, you know, a better organization and a better thought of organization. Because one of the things that uh, a company really needs is exposure. And this CBS deal will give them exposure, free exposure too, because it's not even on cable TV, I don't think. I'm not American, so I don't know that for sure, but I'm pretty sure CBS... Oh my God. And I'm, But I'm pretty sure CBS is a... Um, is a free-to-air uh, television company in the U.S. I'm pretty sure. I'm. I'm not. You know. I'm ninety. You know. I'm ninety-nine percent sure CBS is like that. But yeah, that's a brilliant move for them, isn't it? And I. I hope that move spells the end of having so many pay-per-views. Like you guys got to understand, these guys had two pay-per-views in two nights. Two forty-five on the Friday. Two forty-six on the Saturday. What the fuck? And that 245 card that I watched, sadly I did not watch the 246 card because as I explained earlier, it's really hard to watch Belter over here. Like they, they make it almost impossible for you to watch it over here, which is so fucking ridiculous. But I watched that 245 card and let me tell you something, guys. Did not have to be a pay-per-view. This would have been a really bad UFC fight night card. A really, really bad one. The fights were just not up to scratch. Katsinganu came back. Sorry, Katsingano, sorry. Came back. And she fought, um... God, I forget who she fought. Um... Yeah, again, this is a Bell Talk card, guys. I mean, I'm not gonna... You know, I watched it and it was fine. But, you know, I'm not gonna sit here and write down the names of these fighters, the records of these fighters, rah, 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 because it's a fucking Bellator car. What do you want me to say? Like, really, if they respected me as a viewer, they wouldn't be putting that on pay-per-view. You know what I mean? If they respected me, they would not be putting that on pay-per-view because it's a terrible product. Terrible product. Remember when Steve Jobs said, we don't ship junk? I can't let myself ship junk. We don't do that at Apple. Bellator need to watch that fucking video, man. Because they ship a lot of junk. They ship a lot of good shit too, but they ship a lot of junk. And that 245 card being a pay-per-view was fucking junk. Especially since the main event of the uh, Lyoto Machida versus Phil Davis fight. It was a three-round fight. What the fuck, man? What is this, the Stone Ages? Yes, I understand that... Um, a fight in the UFC uh, in this past few months was a three-round fight as well there were some circumstantial issues with that though but they could easily made this fight five rounds the thing is Leo Machida can't go five rounds anymore because he's fucking old man and that's another thing I don't really like about Bellator is Bellator stinks of TNA 
TNA is a pro wrestling company that was um, the you know the second best, uh, second biggest rather wrestling promotion in the United States, and their uh, strategy to build a company for a long time was people who the WWE don't want will take them. All the WWE scraps will take them. That's not how you build a company. That's how you build a company that people look at as being fucking second rate. And guess what? TNA was always looked as second rate. Always. And Bellator is the same. For Bellator to get good, for Bellator to really stamp themselves as a great MMA promotion, what they need to do is leave the US market. And I'm so, Well, not leave the US market, but really don't put your eggs in that basket. And listen, I know they're doing that right now. They're actually going to be the first company in MMA, the first promotion to have an event in France. And that's a huge thing. So congratulations to Scott Coker and co for letting that uh, happen. But I really think that what they should do is target Europe. Target Europe as a market because... Listen, even though UFC is a global brand, it's not, uh, you know, its main focus is the US market. And really competing with them in the US market is very hard. I think they need to shift strategies and really focus a lot of their energy in the UK and Europe markets. They've been doing it in Dublin. And really, I think it's really worked out really well for them in Dublin. I really think it is. I think in Ireland, Bellator is quite a big uh, deal. In Ireland and I think in the UK it could be an even bigger deal and you know and they have a deal with Channel 5 in the UK yeah like that's really where I think they should be going is Europe and the UK and yes this is not new news we're not breaking ground on this podcast by uh, expressing that but yeah I really think that should happen and really the pay-per-views guys slow the fuck down and boxing needs to slow the fuck down as well the only way it works is for the ufc's because the ufc is the star of the show it's not called ufc adesanya versus costa no it's called ufc 253 they do one once a month they're the star of the show okay and yes pay-per-view buys are increased if popular fighters are fighting Yada, yada, yada. But really, it only works with the UFC because the UFC is the star of the show. And not only that, but because UFC has a steady, steady um, exposure. They have steady exposure on ESPN. They have a fight night card every week almost. Pretty much every single week. So, yes. That's why it works for UFC. Bellator don't have that luxury. And the fact that they put on so many pay-per-view cards is such a misstep. Because pay-per-view is... I don't want to say it's dead, but it's really dead for small things. And it's always been dead for small things. You need it for really, really big fights. That doesn't mean to say Bellator should get out of the pay-per-view market altogether. But they should seriously rethink their strategy when it comes to pay-per-view. Because... When I watched that 245 card, I was thinking, wow, this is a a pretty shallow, boring card. Really shit card. Not to sit through it. I didn't want to sit through it. But I did. I did. I did sit through it. I'm a sucker. I did sit through it. I didn't watch it. I didn't even watch 246. And 246 was the big pay-per-view. Can you believe that? Because you just can't watch it. I'm telling you, you can't watch it. Let's talk about some things on that 245 pay-per-view since it was the one I watched. Just adjust my seat. 
not so much about the fights, but one thing that really stuck out for me was, again, the TNA, you know, the stench of TNA on this fucking promotion. Mike Goldberg and Big John McCarthy, also Josh Thompson in the, uh, in the hot seat, as the commentary team. Dude, get a fucking new commentary team. Get a new commentary. I can't believe they haven't signed Mauro Ranallo up to an exclusive deal. They should be making him fucking go all the time. Because, again, that's a big part of a promotion is the commentary team. It's an often overlooked part of a promotion. You know, when WWE were at their hottest, the Attitude Era, yes, they had amazing uh, wrestlers as well. Like, you know, like huge wrestlers. Undertaker, Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rock... Triple H, yada, yada, yada. But what they also had was a killer commentary team. Like, a fucking killer commentary team. Jerry Lawler, Jim Ross. Jim Ross, the play-by-play guy, calling the action, and Jerry Lawler as a genius color commentator. And yes, I know Jerry Lawler doesn't get uh, (laughs) the most credit these days because he's stuck around too long. But back in those days, my word. And then, when Jerry Lawler left for a period of time... They brought Paul Heyman in. Wow. Like, that commentary team, again, was fucking outrageous. And I thought the commentary team in Bellator was really, really, really shit. Shit. Like, absolutely shit. You know, big John McCarthy is... And e- even when he does the post-fight interview, he's shit. He really is. I don't I don't like him. I may, maybe people can prove me wrong and say, yeah, he's good. Josh Thompson is fucking woeful. Never put him in the seat again. Put him in the booth where Chael is. You know what? Let's swap Chael and Josh Thompson. Because Chael is too good, too interesting, too good at colour to fucking be at that at the fucking table. Like, he should be in the commentary booth. Oh, man, this company drives me so nuts. And it drives me so nuts because it could be so much better and I want it to be so much better. I want it to be so good. I, you guys don't understand how good I want Bellator to be. I want Bellator to kill it. And I think a big part of how Bellator can kill it is in the uh, Europe and uh, UK markets. One has the Asia markets. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing really, the fights, there's no fights really talked about on the Bellator 245 card. And unfortunately, I haven't watched Bellator 246, so I can't even tell you about that. Scott Coker, if you're listening, don't think you are. But if you are, get a fucking deal in Australia, man. Idiot, man. Idiot. Or at least get like a subscription thing like the UFC. I know that takes a lot of money and infrastructure. I know, alright? I'm sorry, alright? I apologize, Scott Coker. But, at the same time, let's fucking make it happen, man. Let's fucking put one and one together. Let's put two and two together. And fucking let's do it. Enough about Bellator. Rant over. Shout out to Bellator. Oh, and by the way, I said I said rant over. Let's just do like a... Let's add another two minutes on top of this. Let's talk about Mike Goldberg. I didn't even mention him in the commentary team. Mike Goldberg is so fucking past it. He is so done, man. He is fucking done. Get rid of Mike Goldberg. I don't know how much you're paying him. I bet you're paying him a bit of money. I bet you're paying him a fucking nice lump sum over there. But you need to get rid of him because it just stinks of TNA, man. He ain't Jim Ross. 
He's fucking Michael Cole, man. He's Michael Cole. He's a fucking buffoon. Get rid of him. Get Mara Ronaldo in that seat all the time. I digress. That's all. That's my rant about Bellator. Wow, such a long rant. Alright, and that's really all we have time for on this episode. I know, such a short episode. Such a crap episode. I know. I know it myself, guys. I know it myself, but thank you for listening. If you have any inquiries, like always, make sure to email me at IKnowNothingAboutMMA at gmail.com. I'll always leave it in the description. Also, my Twitter, I'll leave that in the description. If you want to DM me, do any of those things. But yeah, thank you for listening. I hope you have a wonderful day. Bye-bye, guys. See you later.